Father, thank you that you knew each of us before our days even ever existed. And we thank you that we were intricately woven together in the depths of our mother's womb. And we thank you that though conceptions happen for all kinds of reasons, in the end, there is none that was an accident of providence. And that every person ever born or ever will be born has intrinsic value because they're made in the image of the creator God. Lord, one of the signs of the depravity of humanity is we do not recognize that. And we treat life uh, as trash. And that is a frontal assault against the creator God, the artist himself. Lord, would you recover our hearts? Would you show us your heart on this matter? And Lord, show us your heart in every direction, in every way. And would you then cause us to live a life that wants to make a difference because everyone is made in your image. And we pray this in the name of the one who became one of us, still God, still man, but, but 100% God, as Vincent just reminded us, who lived the life we did not live, died the death that we should die, and rose again to save his church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may grab a seat. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the leading cause of death in the United States of America. Actually, it's the leading cause of death worldwide, but we're going to dial in on America. Now, what I want to do is numbers in a vacuum don't mean a whole lot, right? And so what we need is perspective. I want, therefore, by way of introduction, just to list off the 10 leading causes of death. I know this sounds kind of dark, but I, I just want to set perspective here, okay? In 2021. Y'all with me? Number 10, cause of death, leading cause of death, kidney disease, kidney disease, 53,000. By the way, I'm just rounding off these numbers to give you the rough numbers. Leading cause number nine, diabetes, 102,000. This one caught me by surprise. Number eight, Alzheimer's, 134,000. Number seven, respiratory disease, 153,000. Number six, stroke, 160,000. That's why we want to stay in decent shape if we can. Number five, unintentional accidents, car accidents and the like. Number four, again, this was 2021, COVID-19, 385,000 died to, from that disease. Number three, cancer, 602,000. Most of us know people who've been touched by cancer, right? Number two, heart disease, 697,000. So all I'm trying to do is give us perspective before we get to number one. In fact, I want to even give us more perspective by talking about the cause of death of something that's often in the news and given a great deal of newsprint, and that is people who are shot and killed by police. The total number, I couldn't find 2021, but 2019 was a total of 705 people were shot by police. I don't know what that would do in ranking. I'm not giving commentary. Maybe a thousand in, in, in number of causes. I'm not sure. Because also it's often... Um, promoted or, or, or publicized along ethnic lines. Let me just break that down more for proportionality. 251 black people shot by police and killed, 12 unarmed, and among whites, 424, 26 unarmed. Now, all, again, all I'm trying to do, I'm not giving commentary, I'm just trying to give us some proportionality, right? That's all I'm trying to do. What is the number one leading cause of death in America? Abortion. In the year 2021, 961,000 image bearers were aborted in the United States of America. And by the way, I'm, I'm going to add this, and I don't think this is insignificant and not just a coincidence. If you know anything about the history of Planned Parenthood, it was founded by a highly racist woman named Margaret Sanger. You can run it down and look it up. There is a 
five times higher likely abortion rate among African-American women than Caucasian women. Sanger is having her way. Again, for more proportionality, there are 632,000 citizens in Detroit. That's our population according to the latest census. Do you know what that means? In 2021, one and a half times the population of the city of Detroit was deleted, was aborted, boom, taken off the map through abortion. Again, I'm just trying to give some proportionality here, okay? Now, I've read that during the time of Nazi Germany, the ashes from Jewish people and other people that were burned in the concentration camps and the incinerators would fall onto nearby villages. And I would surmise that a whole lot of those German citizens knew exactly what those ashes were, but remained silent out of fear of reprisal. And perhaps bought the evil ideological lie that Jewish people are not full image bearers or fully human. Just as some people today will say uh, a human inside the womb is not yet fully human. Now, maybe they could brush brush the ashes off their shoulders in those German villages, but they could not brush the guilt of their silence out of their hearts. And I'm saying to you, the ashes of abortion are falling all around us, and we're just going like that. It's real quiet this morning. This is heavy, isn't it? But this is a call for the church to stand up, to pray up, and to speak up. I want to speak to you briefly on the Holocaust of abortion. The Holocaust of abortion. It's a strong word. It is a strong word today. And that's because the word of God is strong. The word of the living God, the word of the triune God, the word of the Father, the word of the Son, the word of the Spirit is very strong on this matter. So we're going to look at, first of all, a strong word of warning. And it is a strong word. You might be gripping the seat in front of you. But if you can make it through that, because we need that, you'll be ready for a strong word of mercy. A strong word of mercy. And because God's mercy experience never leaves us where we're at, we'll conclude with a strong call to action. So a strong word of warning, a strong word of mercy, and a strong call to action. All right? First of all, a strong word of warning. Before we even dive into this short point, let me, let me quickly address the person who, somebody here might be saying this, or thinking this, or you've heard it. They will say something like this. Come on, man. I know abortion is wrong. We, we know abortion is wrong, so why bother with a message on it? We know it's wrong. Anyone ever thought that? Are you thinking that right now? So let me answer that question. That's a, let me answer that question. And I'm going to answer that question with the answer to another question, okay? If we could go back 157 years to the age of slavery in America, or if slavery was still going on, and somebody was standing up to speak on the evils of the injustice of slavery, would anyone ever say, hey man, we know it's wrong, so why a message on it? Would anyone do that? Some people might, but would you do that? No, you would not stop until that evil and injustice was over, which is what the abolitionists did, right? They spoke on it until it was abolished. And I I suspect that that question quite often is a thinly veiled attempt to get you just to shut up. I will not be shut up. 
Or sometimes people say, oh, this is just a political talking point. Listen, conservatism is not Christianity. Liberalism is not Christianity. Christianity is Christianity. So we're not talking, this thing needs to be depoliticized and just biblicized. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Whatever channel you might find it on. Abortion, who, who here what came to the Did God Really Say conference a couple in April? So Samuel Say preaching a, a, a strong message on abortion, anti-racism, and, inequity, and equity. And he said this about abortion. He called abortion unjust killing, and another name for an unjust killing is what? Murder. Abortion is murder. And the fact that you may be, or somebody you know might be, more offended that it was just called what it is, rather than what it is, <laughs> that you would be more offended that it's called murder than the fact of what's going on, might show how much we shut our ears and our eyes to the atrocity of abortion. Now, I'm not going to talk serrated forceps. I'm not going to talk high-powered suction devices. But I am going to talk Scripture. Leviticus 18.21, the Lord said to Israel, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech. Who was Molech? The pagan god, they would literally sacrifice their sons and daughters. They literally would. They called it passing through the fire in some cases. Now, Psalm 106. I would like you to open up to that. Psalm 106. Israel played the fool and evilly practiced the evil practice of the surrounding nations. Verse, it says they mixed with the nations. They learned to do as they did. Now pick up in verse 36, Psalm 106. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They did what with their sons? They sacrificed their who? And their who? To who? To the demons. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. The demon that be, is beyond, behind so much of this. They poured out what kind of blood? Innocent blood. The blood of who? Their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was what? Polluted with blood, thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Leviticus 18 and Psalm 106 right before you. Now, you could possibly say, as people say, yeah, I can see the Bible clearly condemning, um, sacrificing people already born. It does condemn that very clearly, you might say. But the Bible really doesn't say anything about uh, aborting somebody within a womb. Now, by the way, that's just silly, right? Like, the, the difference between the birth canal and being outside the womb, like, that, that makes it somehow okay? Doesn't even add up. But, but, but let's just look at Scripture. We just read Psalm 139. What does Psalm 139 say about us when we were in our mother's womb? Does it say we were an inanimate blob? We were fearfully and wonderfully made, intricately woven together in the depths of our mother. God's artistic masterwork, his artistic creativity was at work as we were being woven together from the very point of conception. And what's interesting, in Luke chapter one, when Elizabeth sees Mary, do you remember that Christmas passage? It does not say that some inanimate blob within Elizabeth leapt. It says a baby leapt. Who, he who is John the Baptist. And then if you were to turn to Exodus 21, it says that if a pregnant woman is struck, this is in the Torah, so that she delivers the baby early, if the baby comes out just okay, not not healthy, it comes out healthy, then there would be a monetary fine imposed. But if because the baby was struck, the baby died, you know what the scripture says? 
an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, an ear for an ear. In other words, it was death. Our, our own law, ironically, recognizes that. If a pregnant woman is killed, that person is on the hook for double homicide. That's just the point I'm trying to make. That's just the point that Scripture makes. That life within the womb being terminated, aborted, murdered, falls under the condemnation of the sixth commandment, you shall not commit murder. It includes the unborn. I said this was strong. It is strong, and here's something even stronger. You go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and in that chapter, John, as he always is, is offering Jesus to people, right? He's always offering, come, he says, drink of the water without cost. Come, come, come. He's offering compassion, but he knows the gateway to compassion is conviction. And so he goes on to say, but as for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the sexually immoral, murderers, their part shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. So church, I'm just trying to say, we need to get off the sidelines of having a soft view on abortion or thinking that we could talk about it too much. I've heard people say this. I've heard people say this. You have too. And it was such a beautiful time of prayer this morning. By the way, as one, as one brother confessed that he, he, he had a wrong view about abortion for part of his life and just repented of it. It was so beautiful. And, and another woman prayed, Lord, help us not to see this just as a woman's issue because that's a lie. It's a human issue. But sometimes people try and shoebox you there. They'll say, you know, um, they might say this, I... I'm personally against abortion, but who am I to tell what? Tell others, and specifically, a woman, what to do. Now, how does that square up with this? Go back 157 years. I, I'm personally against slavery, but who am I to tell a slave owner what to do? What do you, would you think about that? No. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. So we need, first of all, to see abortion as God does. It is unjust killing, it is murder, and it is bringing down the wrath of God and for the unrepentant forever. Number two, a strong word of what? Mercy. Let me address the person who's had an abortion, and, and, and it's touched many more people than most people want to confess, right? Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you've encouraged somebody to have an abortion. Maybe you've just been okay with it. Listen, it, it is a terrible thing. But Jesus died for terrible things. And it is not the unpardonable sin for those who repent of that sin and turn to Jesus. There's a guy named Paul in the scripture. Paul was a serial murderer of Christians. In fact, he's on the road to Damascus to dispatch or exterminate, execute some more Christians. Bam! Jesus Christ stops him dead in his tracks and makes him alive. And he will later pen these hope-drenched words. He says this in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners, of whom I am chief foremost. All my memory work in that was the King James. Let's find out the King James up there. And then he goes on to say, how be it, or for this reason, I obtained, I received mercy, again as the first among sinners, that in me, Jesus Christ, might display his perfect patience as an example for everyone else who was gonna believe after me. In other words, Paul is saying, if God can forgive me at the cost of his son, he can forgive you at the same cost, at the same price. Think about all the people forgiven in scripture. David was an adulterer and a murderer forgiven. 
Rahab sold her body. She was a prostitute, forgiven. Samson was a big time womanizer, forgiven. Peter denied Jesus Christ, forgiven. See, the good news is Jesus Christ took on each and every sin of each and every person who would ever come to him in faith. He died the death that we should die. He paid the price that we should pay, bearing the wrath of God, suffered death, on the third day rose again triumphantly from the dead, offering freedom, forgiveness, cleansing, and a right relationship with God to everyone who receives him. That includes you. So whether you've had an abortion, been soft on abortion, it doesn't matter. We're all sinners in need of a savior. He can forgive anyone of their sin who comes to him. His mercy is more, right? Our sins, though they're many, his mercy is more. Cast into the sea without bottom or shore. That's his best work. And one of the proofs, I think, that signs that you've really turned to Jesus Christ is you unequivocally embrace what he has to say about the sanctity of life. His mind now becomes your mind. It's called the mind of Christ. Now, I want to close the second point with a prayer. A prayer by a couple uh, Mark and Jill, their names. And this is a prayer of repentance for healing from their sin of abortion. And they shared this prayer. It's a very powerful one. Maybe this would be yours. God, I come to you broken and ashamed. I am sick with regret. And I don't know where else to go. Have mercy on me. I know that the choice I made to end this pregnancy defied your heart and your law. You create life. We must never presume that it is ours to give or take away. My own life is a gift from you. I would not want another human to, destroy, to determine my destiny. And yet, in my desperation, I made that choice. I took your role and I played God. I took a life in my hands. Yes, I panicked and I couldn't see how I could live, let alone raise up a child. That decision has now tarnished my life as well. But I'm not alone. Others before me have sunk to this depth. Even heroes in the Bible, people who became saints, made terrible things of their lives and yet found your mercy, forgiveness, and healing. King David, as I just mentioned, killed a man in cold blood and yet received your pardon. Paul the apostle destroyed entire families with violence. He called himself the worst of all sinners. But he came to you and you restored him to life. There is hope for me. You say, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I come with this confession seeking pardon. Take this life that I have thrown into the pit of hell and restore me. I don't deserve mercy, but I seek it. Cleanse me, wash away the stain of this sin, and make something of my life. I come to you in sorrow, but in hope that you and your words are true. I believe, help my lack of belief. This will take a miracle, but you specialize in miracles, in bringing life back from death. I choose to believe that you have rescued the two lives I have thrown away, my child and my own soul. You have now taken us both into your heart. This is my only hope. I trust in you, Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful prayer. Based on coming to the grips that there is the reality, abortion is murder, but there is a strong word of mercy in the face of such sins as well. Maybe you need to confess that sin even. There is mercy for you. There's mercy for you. And just finally, a strong call to action. As I said just a few moments ago, God doesn't allow us to experience mercy so we can just sit on our hands, right? He wants us to get up and get after it and do something about it. We can't do everything about everything, but we can do something about something, right? And that's what he invites us to do. Proverbs 24, 11 says, 
Rescue those who are being taken away to death. I would like it if you would recite that with me. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. We've we, we got to stop doing that, right? Can't do that. The ashes are falling all around us. Do you know that this week, 17,000 will be unjustly killed or murdered? And again, for some proportionality, that's 10,000 more that were lost in all the years of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. As bad as that was, 7,000. 17,000, we are talking, man, one week. So we must speak up. We must stand up. We must pray up. It's a call to action. And that's exactly what this coming week is all about. Amen? All right. Roy, would you come now? I meant to introduce him before I began my sermon at, for me, 25 minutes. I don't know how long. Maybe I went over. But this brother and his wife lead a wonderful ministry called Love Life. This man has a heart to offering the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church to abortion-minded men and women. He has a heart that beats after the Lord in this area, and I'm so grateful for him. So, brother, let it fly. Thank you very much. I just need that mic. Yes. Oh, here it is. Right here. Awesome. Wow. What a good word. Amen? You know, before I even start, honestly, um, this is my beautiful wife, Jill, over here. But before, before I get into what I have to share, I just want to honor your pastor, Mike, and his wife, Susan. And I want to honor the leadership of this church for taking such a strong stance for life, right? And for partnering with Love Life. Yes, this is a difficult conversation to have. But man, just that illustration of, you know, we, we got to start, we have to stop brushing off the ashes. Amen. Um, I'm not going to get into my long testimony because I want to, I just want to share this presentation with you. If you go ahead and load that first slide, I'm going to uh, actually go to the second slide and I'm going to tell you about a little bit about it before I play this video. But this is powerful. This video, and second slide, the video, just cue the video, is about a young lady named Alicia who was going into the abortion clinic in California. But because the church was present, now, Anna, that you're going to see here in this video, was only saved for about three years. And they just heard about Love Life in California in February of 2021. She got engaged in the, in the fight to offer the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church to abortion-minded families. Watch this video. I didn't know who Christ was until almost three years ago. It was something that I believed in, but I didn't have a passion about being pro-life and standing for babies. Day and age that we're living in and all the turbulent times going on right now, uh, that wasn't a time to be a Christian that was sitting on the bench. I learned about Love Life in February, at the end of February. I started volunteering and going out there on the sidewalk. January 24th of 2021 is when we first started Love Life in here in Southern California. We went to our boot camp training in February. It was like, well, let's, <laughs> let's do it. So I walk up and there's nobody on the sidewalk. And I say, Lord, okay, there's only five more minutes left. And I ran over really quick, and this young, beautiful woman rolls down her window about this much. <laughs> and she said, yes. And I looked at her, and I smiled, and I said, I don't know what you are here for, but if you have missed your menstrual cycle, your baby has a heartbeat, 10 fingers and 10 toes, and I can show you what your baby looks like today. When I was young, I had an abortion. I was 21. I was pregnant the second time. I had a miscarriage and I was devastated because I really wanted to keep the baby. And 
sitting there in the ultrasound with her, I told her she gave me a present that no money could ever compare. It was a blessing to see a baby on an ultrasound because I didn't get that on my first. And I got to hear a heartbeat because I never found one with my second baby. It was a Thursday and I said, tomorrow is Good Friday. Would you like to go to church with me on Easter? And she said, yeah, that would be nice. We went to church, we sat together, and at the very end when Pastor Jack did the altar call, it was so beautiful. She got up, a woman I just met about a week in front of an abortion clinic is now choosing not only life for her baby, but eternity with the Lord. I found out that I was pregnant at three months. I already had in my head, like, I wanted someone to change my mind or give me some type of hope or something before I go in there. I was just, like, so excited. Like, I just wanted to tear up a little bit. I was just so happy to see a life moving in me. I just knew in my heart that I was keeping her. Because that day, like, I called everyone. I was like, I'm keeping my baby. I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm keeping her. <laughs> Receiving a, a text message that not only was a baby saved, but a, a mom is now a part of the family of God. I remember when Anna called and told me, and her, I think her exact words were, it was an amazing day of grace. We had a, a gender reveal party for her. We had a baby shower for her. The word got to me that she's being baptized by Pastor Jack. And, and she, wa she wants you to be there, to be a part. It's a, t a moment I'll never forget. As she came out of the water, just the laughter and, and realized, thank you, Jesus. Were we just a part of like a miracle, a life being saved? And then more stories start happening and more women start getting saved. This happened last week and this happened yesterday. Riverside in Corona. I pray to the God of heaven and earth, watch him work, and then we will see revival in our land. I pray that love life will spread faster than the wildfires we have here in California. And I want it to be a revival. God calls us to do things that we think are impossible because God wants to stretch you. He wanted to stretch me. You see God start to change your life, even if you're not looking for it. The Lord is moving her. He is using her. She's even actually gone out and is now counseling and trying to encourage other girls to keep their babies. Come on. I know God is moving in her life and he's not gonna stop. Just looking at baby names, I see Namara and I'm like, oh, I never, that's a nice name. It also means grace of God. So I was just like, oh, she's my little grace of God. So that's why I chose her name. I don't want to just have these beautiful young women at these clinic choose life for their baby. I want to walk in life with them. And this is why Love Life has just changed me. But I know the Lord's hands is in it because he's changed my heart a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Come on. Come on. Isn't that awesome? You know, Pastor Mike just talked about a call to action, right? The problem, we know what the problem is. What's the solution? The solution is Christianity 101, that we get up and we go, and we do something about it in a loving, caring, and compassionate way. Amen? Next slide. What is our mission? The mission of Love Life is simply Love Life is created, and it's all about uniting and mobilizing the church to create a culture, say create a culture, of love and life that brings an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. Next slide. Praise God. I can see it back here. I thought it would be right there too. What's, what do we do? We respond. Politicians and legislation aren't going to end abortion. The church, we, the body of Christ, are going to end abortion. When we stand up and we say enough is enough, this will come to an end. Um, uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer said that these abortion clinics, they're open by permission of the church. When the church rises up and says enough's enough, and we get out there and we do something about it, and we offer the love and the life of Christ to these young abortion-minded families, or not so young, you know, then, then we can offer them the help of the gospel 
Amen. God's called us. We're the church. He's called us to shape culture. Amen. Next slide. So the tragic truth of abortion, as you've already heard some of those uh, statistics, 17,000 babies a week are murdered in this country. 200 to 300 in the tri-county area of Detroit, Michigan. And the clinic that you're going to be at and in front of praying and believing God for miracles, 30 to 5 to maybe 40 babies a week right there at this one clinic. And we also know that these laws that are being passed uh, right now in the state of Michigan, right, we know what our, our, and look, this isn't a political thing. These are facts, right? We've just passed laws to abort babies and are working on passing laws to abort babies up to birth. That's why that whole thing of propo uh, Proposal 3 was going on was to go back to where Michigan would have been the most pro-life state in the nation but because of the lawsuits of Planned Parenthood and different things, we now allow babies to be aborted up to birth in Michigan. And they're working on changing the Constitution in our state to do that. This is Christianity 101. Politicians, like I said, they're not going to change this. The church has to rise up. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon us for such a day as this. Isaiah chapter uh, 60, verse 1 and 2. Go check it out. One in four women and men will have an abortion in their lifetime. 54% of them identify as Christians. They're, they're in our churches. And next slide. Oh, back up one, sorry. We're not here to, to, to shame and condemn. The back to one slide. We're, this isn't about shame and condemnation because as Pastor already brought, brought out, that when we repent of our sins, and we call upon the name of the Lord, we can be saved. Abortion's not the unpardonable sin. But we need to let you know that you have to make a decision to receive that healing and that restoration that only Christ can bring. And you are actually on the right slide. Yeah. Four out of four, this, this is a new slide here, but the, the point is four out of ten women were attending church once a month when they had an abortion. And as I was looking at this slide this morning, the other part says five out of ten men. Men, this is this is just about this is this is just as much as of a, of a man's issue that it is as of, of a woman's issue. Amen. And what is James? I'm sidetracking here for a second. Is the Spirit of God? James chapter one. Right. What is pure and undefiled religion? Right, is caring for the widows and the orphans and keeping oneself unspotted from the world. But widows and orphans, is there any more of a widow or an orphan than a woman that is walking into an abortion clinic to abort her child? Where's the guy? And if the man would man up and take his rightful place and care for that woman and care for that child, we find 90% of the, the women would save and spare their child if the guy was there to help them. And that's where we, the church, have got to come in and continue to raise up our children. You guys are doing an awesome job here. i got lots of kids. And praise God for that. But next slide. We don't want you to be shamed and condemned. We want you to know, ladies that are, and or men, if you're here and you've had or taken part in an abortion, that there is healing and restoration for you. We don't want shame and condemnation. Every time I share this testimony and my, my story or this presentation at a church, I have somebody come up to me at the end of that, that service and say, Roy, Roy, I've had some, I, I had an abortion 30, 35 years ago, and tears coming down their face, and they say, I've never told anybody. So they've been coming to our churches, sitting in our churches, suffering in silence because they're afraid of the shame and the condemnation that could come their way. We need you ladies and men to know that there is healing and restoration for you. Amen? Who's the only one? Who's the mender of the brokenhearted? Christ alone is worthy. Amen? He's the one that paid the price, and you can be set free. And this is uh, this next. Go to the next slide. Prayer. We know prayer is power, right? Pray, believe, receive, act, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, 
And he gave us power and authority on this earth to represent him. Amen? We are ministers of reconciliation, the Bible says. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're here to, to present his kingdom on earth for him. He chooses us. He allows us to be a part of that. In and of myself, I'm nothing. I know where I was. I know what I had to contribute. But when he came into my life and he changed me, he made me a minister of reconciliation. He calls me an ambassador for Christ. And he gives us the power to pray and believe and go and do something to stop it. Amen? And if you saw a house burning or if you heard of a shooter going to an elementary school tomorrow morning getting ready to light up a school and murder a bunch of people, what would we do? Kind of like Pastor Mike said. What would we do? I'd pick up the phone. I'd be calling the Detroit police. I'd be calling the state police. I'd be calling the sheriff's department. I would be down there in the morning trying to stop that from happening. Amen? Well, we know where people are going to die tomorrow morning, Monday, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. We know where there are people being scheduled to die. We need to be there for them. Next slide. And this is getting good. Okay, because this is, this is what it's about. It's about the solution. We have seen since 2016, we've seen those numbers are actually light. There's 4,900, 4,906 babies have been saved because of the church being present. Come on, give God a hand. And what we've also seen is a 70% drop in abortions at the abortion clinics on Wednesdays and Saturdays when the church shows up. They drive up and they see the church standing out. They change their mind. Part of them, and I think that part of it is, is when we pray and we fast and God hears our prayers, Mama J or whoever is at home, and, and they're contemplating an abortion, and they're thinking to themselves, I can't go through with this. Who knows, maybe God puts an angel in their room and sits them on the bed and they, they just like, no, I'm not going to do this. God can do whatever he wants to do, but we are the church and we have to pray and we have to believe that God is going to move. Amen? We've seen 153,000 prayer walkers in the, since 2016. We have 900 partnering churches across the country, and 210 of them are houses of refuge. In a nutshell, a house of refuge is a place where we let our community, we teach, we train, we equip, we encourage, and create that culture of love and life in our churches so that when you hear of somebody having an abortion and you talk to them, you tell them, my church is a house of refuge. You can, we would rather them run to our pastors and to our churches than to an abortion clinic, amen? And what are we to do? We're to walk alongside of them. We're to disciple them. Why did he die? Why did he shed his blood? He did that so that we could be saved and be set free, but so that we could also make disciples, amen, and walk alongside of people, even in these very difficult situations, and help them get through it. There's lots of resources for that. We've also seen 49 people, abortion workers, compelled to leave the industry. Come on, somebody give God the praise and glory. And like I said, I could share a few more testimonies on that. One of the young ladies that came to the clinic to get an abortion in Charlotte, North Carolina's aunt worked in the abortion center. She worked in the clinic that she was going to get an abortion at. And they didn't know this, but, but the, 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 the sidewalk outreach missionaries talked this young lady out of aborting and said that we'd throw her a shower, and they threw her a shower, and guess who walks into the shower? The aunt. She's like blown away that the people that were standing out there on the sidewalk compelling people not to abort were the ones that were actually loving her and throwing her a baby shower. And she was one of the ones that actually came out of working in the clinic. Can somebody give God the praise? We're not there shouting at them and yelling at them. We're there to offer the hope of the gospel. And this next uh, video, it's a, it's a shorter one, but check this out. This is, this is a great encouragement. I'm almost done. The miracles that God has been doing, lives that he has been saving using ordinary people like us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're here to give, to give testimony, to testify what God has done. And we have to be reminded of these things. Deuteronomy teaches us to be reminded, to remember what God is doing. And I want to make it clear, this is not what Love Life is doing or what any individual is doing. This is what God is doing 
through his people, through the hands and the feet of Jesus. So we're, today we're going to testify. We do this for 40 weeks, but today we call it Celebrate Life because more than ever we are celebrating and remembering what God is doing. We're celebrating that he came. We are sons and daughters of the King. Come on, that's what we're here celebrating, that he is a good God. He's given us what we don't deserve. Come on. And we're motivated by this amazing love that God has poured out upon us. We say, Lord, let your glory come on these streets. Let your glory come in the waiting room. Let your glory come upon the hearts of every liar, of every lie, that those things would be brought to nothing, that the lies would be silenced, that light would come in the darkness, that your glory would invade this place, and you would be lifted up. King Jesus, we say, be lifted up. God is raising up people that are answering the call and saying, here I am, send me. God is doing the supernatural. This is not a sprint, this is a journey. You're called to persevere, to do the hard things, to be public and bold with our faith, and to persevere. Don't give up. Amen. Amen. Persevere. Don't give up. We're not here by accident, church. Amen. He died so we could live. True freedom is living life the way God created us to live our lives, not the way we please. Man? So what is this week? Next slide. This is your church's adoption week. What is today? Today is about your Sunday launch. Today is about uh, educating you about abortion. Good job on, you know, uh, sharing that message, brother. Praise God. Give your pastor another hand. That was outstanding. It's not easy to give a message like that. But we have to stand up and speak the truth, you guys. Where there is light, darkness flees. Right? Where there's light, darkness flees. And I like, I've been saying it like this lately. Where there's righteousness, lawlessness flees. We're not to be unequally yoked with this world and its system. Amen? I'm supposed to be representing my king. You, you represent your king. It's not about me and what I think. It's about him and what he says is right and wrong. Not my right and wrong. I'm just a mouthpiece, a representative. And I'm not going to get into a whole message here, but go read John chapter 15 around verse 18. Associating yourself with Christ, he tells us to abide, live, love, and abide vitally united to the vine. And I say it like this, we need to have the very sap of God's word coming into our lives and growing his fruit on our branches, amen? And not only when we grow fruit, God prunes our, our branches that grow fruit because he wants them to grow more and better fruit. But you read on into that, that, that chapter and it talks about, it talks about, if they loved me, they would love you. We're going to be persecuted for his namesake, but God is with us. And as long as God's with me, I'll go wherever he tells me to go. And this is here, pray, go, connect. This is your adoption week. So you're hearing, you're being educated today. Wednesday, or I think I heard Friday, is going to be your day of prayer and fasting. You're going to pray. You're going to fast. You're going to believe God for miracles to happen. Some of those miracles that are going to happen, we may never even know happened until we get to heaven and somebody comes up and tugs on us and says, thank you, Cleet, for praying for me and believing for me and, 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 and that I wouldn't have an abortion. And because of these prayers, I don't know, I just know that you guys were praying for me and I chose life that day, and I didn't go there. And then the go part, that's our vision. Here, pray, go, connect, comes out of Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard that the walls were torn down. It broke his heart. He prayed, he fasted, and he went and he asked the king if he could support him, and then he went and did something about it, and he anointed, or not anointed, he brought people together, and they rebuilt the walls. Well, that's what God's vision is for love life. That's what God dumped into Justin's heart. Here, pray, go, connect. So Saturday is going to be your go. You're going to come down to the clinic. We're going to praise and worship God. We're not going to interact with anybody on the streets. We're not there to protest. We're there to pray and intercede for the lost. And then after that, if you have a desire to get more involved, maybe you want to be a sidewalk outreach uh, uh, team member, and you want to offer the hope of the gospel, or you want to adopt, and you want to help foster kids, or you want to uh, be a mentor mom when we talk a young lady out of aborting her child, and you'll walk alongside of her to help her get through the situation, throw her a baby shower. 
you can connect. There's the connect part where you and I, can, we can all do something. Can somebody say amen? We're the body of Christ for a reason, right? We don't all do the same things. My eye doesn't do the same thing my ear does. My ear doesn't do the same thing my tongue. We're all different and we all have gifts. And we can all be a part of a team that has one focus, to be united and to be mobilized and to help our neighbor. Amen? The Good Samaritan. There's the one that you, we can talk about. So, next slide. And I'm just going to scoot right through these. How do you, how, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ himself laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for others. Amen? Not just word and speech, but in action. Next slide. We have a code of conduct. You'll read that later. It just basically says that, hey, we're not there to protest. We're there to praise God. We're not there to interact with anybody, and it holds you accountable to do just that. So in closing, this is what I want you to do. You've got a card on your seat, one just like this. I want you to grab that card because your pastor, the shepherd of this flock, is leading you guys to a mini missions trip. Let me call it a mini missions trip down to 8 Mile Road this coming Saturday. And what we want you to do is we want you to take that card in your hand and the pen that these awesome helpers, you got a bunch of children helpers that helped us put all of these cards on the seats. Amen. Betsy, Daniel, not Trevor, Titus, John, Benjamin, all of them were all helping us put these cards on these seats. And I want to say thank you to all of them for their help. Amen. Can you give those guys a hand? But take these cards, put your name and address and stuff on them, your email on them. We want you to join us. Pastor Mike, you can come on up and help me. You can go to the next slide. I don't know if... Uh, yeah, that one there, you can try to scan that if you're a computer-savvy person and you know how to use your phone to do that. You can scan that, and, um, and, and you can join Pastor Mike and, 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 and our church. My pastor, Pastor Dave, is also going to be there uh, on Saturday. One last thing that I want to share, because I brought this, and God just reminded me because it popped up. See this little baby right here? That's baby legend. Oh, man. The first baby in Detroit, where one of our missionaries talked the boyfriend out of talking the girlfriend out of the clinic. She was already in the clinic. Mm. Talked her out of the clinic and talked her into saving her baby, hooked her up with a mentor mom at Love Life Family Christian Center. I knew Pastor Kevin was going to be a part of Love Life. Mm. That's his name of his church. And we threw her a baby shower and this precious little life is here today because the church was present down at the clinic. And here's another thing that just makes me weep. As a God wink. That little baby was born in November on the 10th, which is the same day as my bride. And that just blessed my socks off, man, when God did that. So. Praise God. Mm. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much, Pastor, for yeah. uh, allowing me to share your yeah. pulpit with you. Oh. What a gift to the body of Christ this man is, isn't he? Praise God for you, brother. Praise God for you and your wife.